What bubbles up for me is that I'm a good person, simple and yet profound. I'm a good person. I've done my work. I'm doing my conscious work and that I will never be done. We're never done. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there. It's your gal, Carly Fain, and we are going to have a really joyful conversation today. I don't know about you, but having a reason to lighten my mood, it goes a long way right about now. And there's one thing I've always noticed, but I'm finding it particularly true during challenging times. It's that we will not necessarily default to joy and optimism, that those are actually things we have to practice. (laughs) They are more like verbs. They require some tending to. And so with that in mind, I reached out to one of my clients who is just pure beam of light. She is the fairy godmother we all wish we had, Lakshmi Volker. Now, Lakshmi is a master yoga teacher and also a business owner for well over 40 years now. And she has dedicated her life to empowering other people. And with that in mind, step by step, her business has evolved to a chair yoga empire. So back in 1982, when nobody was doing chair yoga, she invented this modality that has now been taught to over 2,000 of her teachers around the world. And when I say around the world, I mean that very literally. So people are teaching chair yoga now in government facilities and medical institutions and even places like refugee camps and a lot of veteran centers because of Lakshmi's desire to help one particular client. And you're going to hear that story, how showing up fully for one person with all of her heart and resources opened up the door that would serve so many others. It is a unbelievable story. I can't wait for you to hear it. And here's one really cool thing I want to point out is that she didn't have a big business plan behind her. She hadn't worked everything out perfectly. She didn't wait until all the ducks came into a row. She just began. In fact, she began in her pajamas and you'll hear more about that. But for all of you out there who are just getting something started or you're thinking about getting something started and you're wondering if you have to have the perfect website or if you need to have the ideal business branding or even business cards to get things off the ground, Lakshmi is the reminder that there is power and magic that happens when we just begin, when we take our idea to the streets and we connect with other people about it. And also, Even now, while her business is thriving and Get Fit Where You Sit was just recently signed as a book deal with Shambhala Press, so that'll be coming out forthcoming soon, you're going to hear why now in her 70s, Lakshmi is choosing to reinvent her business. (laughs) So at a time when nobody would blame her for just like wanting to relax or wanting to retire, you're going to hear why she has always considered herself a student, a 
student that wants to be nimble and ever improving and of service to others. So if you are finding yourself just wondering about what reinvention could look like for you, maybe there's an area of your health or your relationships or um, your career where something either has shifted or you're getting ready to make a shift. This episode will act as a dose of inspiration as you hear how Lakshmi got things off the ground in her business in the most unconventional of ways and how she continues to reinvent others. But I want to give you a little spoiler alert. It's through her own deep personal nourishment that every part of her business has come together. And I don't know about you, but that was not what I was taught in business school. So if you're ready to have a good time and hear how one woman has risen to the top and now is daring to start again, listen in, my friends. Hey, it's Carly, and I'm going to take a beat right here before we even begin this episode to acknowledge the fact that you're here. And this conversation with me during such unprecedented times, I know you are being asked to rise to the occasion, to handle sudden changes, and somehow still find a way onward, even in so much uncertainty. And my motto has always been this, to rise we must root. In other words, it takes some nourishment and community on a regular day to navigate growth. So it might take a little extra right now. So I am so glad that you are rooting here with me today. And I also just want to point out that if doing some self-care or having a plan for your life and career was challenging enough before, my goodness, it might take some ninja level skills to get what you need right now. So reach out to me, go to carlyfane.com, click the start here button and apply for a one-time phone session. And if I know I can help you, I will. Or if there's some other free resource or another practitioner that I can refer you to right now, you better believe I'm going to point you in the right direction. We are in this together. I am holding you in my heart and my mind. Let me know what you need. I've got your back. So Lakshmi, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to have you in this conversation. Well, I'm excited also, Carly, and between you and me, we've got some energy that's going to be soaring. This is true. People might not know this. In fact, how could they know this? But Lakshmi and I, we met in a dance class. We were both shaking it out in the middle of the dance class, and it was a yoga dance class at Kripalu, and I saw you across the room, and I said, I want to dance next to that woman. You're just such a beam of light in a sea of, you know, sweaty, busy, moving people. I could see you right across the room, and, I, and, we, be, and we got to be dance partners, which was so great. Yeah. Oh, that was so much fun. And, and here we are today. So this is also a really interesting shared connection that, again, the audience might not know. I don't think I've talked about this much at all, but I was raised in a yoga ashram. Right? So I was raised in the Kripalu community, which is an intentional community. And for those of you who don't know what an ashram is, it's, it's a spiritual collective. It's a bunch of people who came together for the practice of yoga all different religions, all different types of folks. And it was really kind of a unique place to be raised. And so from a young age, I had the opportunity to be around all of these thought leaders in the world of health and wellness. And Lakshmi is one of those leaders. So Lakshmi is incredibly humble. So I'm just going to put this out there for you. 
But as the founder of, of Lakshmi Bulgar Chair Yoga, more than 40 years ago, she has now trained over 2,000 teachers all over the world to be teaching chair yoga to an incredibly diverse population because chair yoga is really for anybody. It really makes the practice of being in your body more accessible. But the beginning story of how it all began is so unique, Lakshmi. So here you are today, right, in 2020, and we can talk about all of your accolades and accomplishments because they're vast. But it started with a friend that needed some help and a house cat. So can you share the story of how this idea started to show up for you that you could create something? Oh, my goodness. I'm just beaming. It's a wonderful story. And I love to tell it. And it kind of brings um, a joyful tear to my eyes. Mm -hmm. I had a cat named Rita Cat. And one of my first, very first students who I did yoga with way back in the late 60s, she was in my class and she had rheumatoid arthritis. And all of a sudden, one day she called me hysterical and she said, I cannot come to your class. I'm having a flare up. Your class has saved my life many times. I cannot zip my pants. I cannot turn the key in the ignition. I cannot open my kitchen cabinets. I cannot feed my dog. And my husband is helping me. And I cannot come to yoga. And I do not know how I'm going to carry on without your divine classes. So I said, I will think about it tonight. And I said, once I get the answer, I'll be knocking on your door the next morning. And I knew she and her husband got up early. So I had a feeling I was going to be up all night with this one. So I sat down on my settee and in front of me was a coffee table and on each side were side tables and behind me was a coffee table and in front of me were all windows and I lived in the desert in Palm Desert at that time. So I had this beautiful, exquisite view of the mountains and it was about four, five o'clock. So the sun is thinking about setting soon. And I sat down with a bag of rice cakes and a big glass of water. And <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be sitting as long as I was sitting. I, I would have had a three course meal if I would have known. <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm sitting on the couch and the cat jumps up on the coffee table in front of me and she got my attention. So I planted my feet down the three points in each foot and I planted my buttocks down and I lifted up my front spine and dropped down my shoulders and aligned myself. And I just sat there looking at Riddicat and this beautiful vista Unbeknownst to me at the time, I was in Sitting Mountain, the Tadasana pose, but sitting. But I didn't know. I didn't get it yet. I didn't realize that I was downloading information. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and she stretches a little bit farther away from me, and she's doing downward dog again, doing her yoga. And I folded forward from my hips, and I extended my legs out from under the table, and I started petting her again, unbeknownst to me. But the light was on, 
and nobody was home yet. So I'm <laughs> folding forward from my hips with a lengthened spine, doing all my stand-up yoga, but on the settee, the love seat, and I'm petting her, and all of a sudden she moved to the to the left, and I sat back up and I pressed my hands into the sides of the couch. Again, now I'm in a yoga pose. I did Tadasana, I did forward fold. Now I'm doing the staff pose and the lights still are not on. <laughs> Isn't this you- so true of us oh, as humans? I don't gosh. know about you, but sometimes I feel like I need a sign 20 times before I oh. see it the first time, right? So I-, I, I just relate to your story. And for anybody who's listening, it's like sometimes we all need some, <laughs> some real like clear reminders, right? Some real clear signs. So oh, here you are. Like, You've done three hello. poses already. Oh, yeah. And it's like, hello, you know, you're getting your information really quick. You don't have to stay up all night, but you're a little dense right now. You're a little in the now and not getting it. So Riddicat goes to the left to the little side table and I put my right hand on my left knee and my left hand and I turned my torso to the left with my feet firmly planted now back in sitting mountain and I'm petting her again. The lights are on. No one's home. I'm doing a spinal twist. I mean, how cool is that? So she goes behind me. I sit myself back up in the staff pose and I go, OMG, I can't (laughs) believe it. I've just done four sitting poses on the couch and I'm just beaming. My heart is just beaming. My shoulders are down and back. My head is lifted. My arms are long. My legs are planting. She comes to the front. I do the staff pose. I do the forward fold. I come back to sitting mountain, but sitting up on the couch, not down, loading my spine. So I'm getting all this data. So I grab my pencil, I grab my paper that were next to me, and I start drawing all these chairs with stick figures on them, doing (laughs) these poses, Carly. And I did page after page after page, and I called them Candace's Chair Asanas. Mm. Now, all this is coming from deep within me, not from anybody else, but from my own source, my own connection. So can we talk about that for a moment? Because that's huge, right? And you know, because we get to work together within my practice, we talk a lot about this idea that at least some of the information that we're hearing all day needs to be self-sourced, right? It needs to come from within us. And especially now when the volume in the world is, is really turned up, it seems like there's a lot of information coming at us every day, how important it is to be able to hear the volume of our own voice too. So I'm just curious, what was your relationship to your own voice before this? Like, how were you able to hear so clearly what needed to come through? What do you attribute that to? I contributed to my decades prior to that, sitting at the feet of many different gurus, Mm. not just one, but many. And having Yogi Amrit Desai say to me, Lakshmi, 
you're getting all your wisdom and knowledge from within. Mm. No one outside of you is teaching you. That's really important. Oh, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but you just said something so valuable there because I'm hearing two things. Tell me if I'm getting this correct. I'm hearing that what allowed you to hear your own voice was practice, right? You said decades, <laughs> decades of study. And then this normalization around you, other people also affirming that within you is a voice that could be heard. Right. Yes. So you are in an environment where somebody that you respect, in this case, Yogi Amrita Sai, would, so would say to you, everything you need is within you. And so yes. how beautiful. So like I'm looking at the recipe for hearing our own voice, practice and being around other people that appreciate that within us is wisdom. Right. And there it is. And when I think of who you are in the world now and what, the way you're teaching, how it's turning that light on for other people, too. What happens? What happens when you share this, this asana, this share yoga with your, with your student? Well, I had all these incredible pages and I'm going to jump forward just a minute. I had seen her a couple years ago and she had found those original pages <laughs> and I have them in my presence now. How cool is that? I would love to see those one day, like where it all started, the pencil sketches. What happens when you, sh you show up at her house? Well, I ring her doorbell at six o'clock in the morning and I said, you have got to do these, Candace, you have got to do these now. And I was like wound up tighter than a drum. I hadn't slept. I just had <laughs> rice cakes and water. I was still in my pajamas, went to her house in my little Volkswagen. And I'm just so excited. No, I didn't have a Volkswagen. I had a Mazda Miata at that time. Ooh, fun so car. I zoom, zoom, zoomed <laughs> to her house. And I said, you've got to do these no matter what. And guess what, Candace? You do them on a chair. You don't have to get down on the floor and you don't have to get up off the floor. And we both started to cry. And I gave her these poses and her dog was there and her husband was there. And we all were filled with this immense sense of joy and gratitude for my connection to my higher self. I didn't give it away to anybody else. No one did this. I was given this direction. Mm. And then you shared it, right? So and you then, let it come through you. Yes. And what I also want to point out is one thing that's not being said is you let it come through you and you didn't doubt it and yes. you didn't play it down yet. You know, and you, it sounds like you were so swept up in the momentum. It worked to your favor. I mean, there you are in your pajamas in your Miata, just <laughs> zipping down, you know, the desert <laughs> coming to her front door. It's bright and early. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. So here's a woman, I'm hearing a woman, Lakshmi, that, has practiced listening to her own voice, that has put herself in the company of other people who would support her listening to her own voice, mm -hmm. who then, when she hears what sounds true, dares to share it with others. Mm -hmm. And I don't know of a better definition than a leader than that, mm -hmm. right? A leader isn't doing what everybody else is doing. They're hearing what's true for them, and then they're sharing it with other people. Mm -hmm. And so this, you know, is the forming of an entirely new, new way of, of teaching in the world. Just for our, our understanding, what year was this? What year is this when you first give the asanas to Candy? It was 1982, and I started doing yoga in 1969. Okay, so we're talking about 
82 is roughly 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, and you had been doing <laughs> yoga for, for much longer than that. So I'm curious for a moment, when did this go from an idea that works for Candace to, oh, maybe this could be helpful for other people too, right? Because there's a middle to this story. Here you are hatching mm-hmm. this, this, this approach to healing our bodies and living in a, in a healthy way. And now it's 2020 and you've got all these trained teachers. Something happened in the middle there, right? Mm-hmm. So at mm-hmm. what point did you have the idea that, ooh, maybe other people could benefit from this? Well, Carly, she came to my class with a folding chair. And again, the lights were on, but they were still a little dim Mm -hmm. because what she did was she put her chair on the mat and she empowered herself through my teaching. As I'm teaching the mat class, she started to adapt the poses to the chair so she didn't have to schlep up and down onto the mat. So everybody else was in the room on the mat and she was on her chair. And all of a sudden, again, I said, OMG, chair yoga. I'm going to change my practice and I'm going to change my teaching because there's many, many more people that I can touch through the gift of yoga on a chair. So here's what I'm noticing. When you were in your power, when you were doing what was true for you, that there's a ripple out effect, right? You didn't tell her to bring a chair. She was empowered to show up with the chair. And I think of, you know, the teachers you had that empowered you. And so I see this rippling out effect that when one of us, when we pause and allow ourselves to cultivate, you know, an ability to have a conversation with ourself, right? That there's that ability to pay it forward right? So it's not just self-satisfying. It's not just for our own um, well-being, which it also is, but it's also this ripple out effect for for other people. So I'm curious, does this start to unfold organically where the classes just start to grow and you're having more and more chair students versus traditional mat students? Or were you more strategic about it? Like, how did it it start to unfold? Did you have a big business plan or were you just kind of winging it and seeing what worked for a while? I was winging it at first because where I lived was seasonal. So you really had to work your butt off when it was season because when it wasn't season, everybody left the desert except the residents. Right. So there was no teaching. So I needed to continue to teach. I didn't need, I wanted to. I chose to teach on the mat along with implementing it on the chair. And I'll tell you something cool that I did. I worked at Bighorn Country Club, one of the most exclusive country clubs in the world. And I taught many years there. And I didn't want to teach the men and women on the mat anymore. I was really grooving on the chair for myself because I saw such a change in my body, mind experience. So I asked the activity director, because I knew these women were not going to do chair yoga, because it's (laughs) like, what is that? So I had her get all those big fit balls in all different colors. And we lined them up in sh- on shelves on the wall. And the men and women came into my class and I said, this season is going to be something different. We're going to do our mat yoga on the fit ball. 
So I put all the yoga asanas that you do on the mat on the fit ball. Was anybody else doing that? Had you seen that done anywhere? No, ma'am. There wasn't anybody doing chair yoga for a long time. Right. So here's what I'm appreciating is you met your people where they are. Like you found a way. You knew this population doesn't want to see themselves as chair yoga people for whatever reason, right? So here's a creative way of getting the exact same results. You didn't force your method on anybody. You modified it so that you could get similar results um, for a different audience. Yes. And they ended up with very egotistical, the best bodies you have ever seen. (laughs) Because as you know, when you sit on those football, you have to engage those core muscles. Right, right. And all the little muscles behind the big muscles are going like, yikes, I got to stay on this ball. I can't fall off. Then nobody wants to fall off the ball. Right, right. I love that, like as an added byproduct, right? So you're in there for the mind-body connection and, yes. and they're getting this extra yes. fitness bonus on top of it, which is, which is wonderful. So I'm curious, as you started to, to grow this, you know, what were some of the challenges that came up? Back in 1982, Oof. you know, in the years after that, what are some of the challenges you remember coming up as you were, as you were growing this? You know, I was so innocent back then. And I just stepped out of myself and I just went to senior centers and libraries and assisted living. And I always dressed professionally. I had a short set with a vest and I was always professional. And I said, you've got to try this. The residents that are here have got to try this. Let me give you a free experience. Let me give you a complimentary experience. So, so you took it to the streets <laughs> you just start knocking on doors here you are showing up in your in your nice professional suit saying this is why you need this so nobody else was advocating for you you didn't have a sales team yet you didn't have a marketing plan you were just knocking on doors knocking on doors. and how would little... people receive you what, what what kind of responses were you getting let's give it a try wow so people were open let's give it a try yeah mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. let's I, I never heard of such a thing this is blowing my mind you got to be kidding me. And I would just say, try it. Get all the aides in, get the nurses in, get the doctors in, get the anesthesiologists in. I'm going to give you a complimentary class. And it just blew their mind. And from that point, I was set to go. So I just appreciate, you know, my, my Jewish grandmother would have said your chutzpah, right? Yes. Like your chutzpah, you're just yes. gumption to just get out there and do the thing. And I think we live, you know, as, as we're increasingly online for some necessary reasons that we don't always get that human connection. And I talk a lot with my clients who are just beginning yes. a practice and need to make some money about how, you know, having an online business is great, but it takes significant energy. Everybody's guard is up online because we're all getting you know, sales things at us flown left and right. And that one way to stand out is to be the one that dares to just show up and make a human connection, whether you pick up the phone or you do what you just did. And you, there you are, you know, rolling into the the senior center or the hospital with your, with your plan and, Mm -hmm. and showing up for it. So I just, I applaud that courage and that ability. And I, I think that, you know, use the word being naive. I was naive. So you just did it. And 
I was on one of our other podcasts. We were talking about somebody else mentioned the same thing. They said, I, when I was starting my business, I didn't know any better. I didn't know what was going to be hard and what wasn't. So I just started mm-hmm. to do it. And I think of like the first card in a tarot deck is the fool, right? Cause that's the beginning. We need a <laughs> sense of naivety that'll, 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 that'll get us to start doing the thing. Cause we don't know what's going to be hard until we do it. So this is amazing. So here's what I want to point out. So Lakshmi has, you know, you've gone on to teach at all of these, you know, some of the biggest centers in the world. You've, you know, your program is run in government facilities. It's run in big medical institutions. And so now here you are in your, in your glorious seventies, you and I were talking after that dance class at Kripalu and you said, you know, I'm starting to have an inkling that there's something else I might want to do also. Like you're still loving this. So, so tell me about that. Cause here you are, this woman who's reinvented once and is now saying, I, maybe I want to reinvent something else. Right? So like what was bubbling up for you that made you even think, Hmm, you know, I'd like to do something differently. What was coming up? Well, I see a therapist and she's, you know, my right arm woman. And she had said something to me about coaching. And, you know, it just went in one ear and out the other. The lights are on. Nobody's home. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, right. Yeah, right. She goes, you know it all. She said, you've got the answers. They're within you. And I'm like, where's she getting this language from? Maybe I'm her therapist. Maybe she's not my (laughs) therapist. So then I meet you at Kripalu. And I'm telling you about myself and you're saying, you need to be a coach. And I'm like, what are you kidding me? (laughs) So now I heard it two times. Then I come home to Bruce, my husband, who, by the way, puts a chair yoga online. So I also certify teachers online. He said, you need to share your 50 some odd years wisdom and knowledge. And again, I said, what are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm 70 years old. Give me a break. You know, my New York is coming up. And then all of a sudden, I just kept hearing it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. But I chose to use the word mentoring. That's Mm. soft on my shoulders and on my heart. Yeah. So that's what feels true for you. So because you just mentioned something that a lot of my clients who begin to listen to their inner voice say in different ways, which is that there's synchronicity. They start to spot the same message again and again. And maybe the message was always there and we just weren't seeing it when our mind was really busy. But here you are, you know, where somebody mentions this, your therapist mentions it, then I meet you and I say, oh gosh, you've got the energy of a coach. Your husband mentions it. So you're getting this message, right? From multiple places. (laughs) I'm curious, has this always been something that happens for you? Have you been a person where there's been synchronicities? Is this a normal occurrence for you? If I were to sit here right now and look back on my life at what and who I created along the way to this place to where I am today, and I can feel my heart opening and I can feel my face like getting ready to produce some tears. Mm. So if the tears are coming up in me and my heart is opening and my gut is calm, I would have to say yes, Carly. Mm. You know, my mom became a world traveler when I was nine. So I took care of me and my dad for months on end. 
So I would say that I had to listen then. I I had to listen. If I didn't listen, I would not have survived. So and this I'm, was something you learned early on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. How powerful that, you know, nine years old and suddenly running a household. Right. You know, not having this thought that when you're nine and the way we might see it as adults might be different than how it is when you were nine, right? But as a nine-year-old, you have this awareness of, I need to not just take care of myself. I need to take care of my father too. And my mother's not here. And that, that one of the things that came of that was your ability to hear your own voice and listen to it and and lead, right? Because nobody else was leading you right? There you are. So here's one thing that I'm always fascinated about, especially with us high achievers. For every gift we have, there's also a shadow side to it, right? So for example, like one of my my gifts is that I genuinely really care about other people. I want them to do well, which sounds great. However, (laughs) the shadow side to that, if I don't keep an eye on it, is I'll take care of everybody else before myself and then I'm exhausted and that's not sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things, the gifts and the shadow. So in terms of having to have been a leader, we see the gifts because it brought you this business. It brought you something magnificent in the world that has helped you and a lot of other people. What's the shadow of having had to have been the leader for so long? Exhaustion. Mm. exhaustion perfection oh tell me about that how did perfection show up for you or how does that show up well I I had to be perfect I couldn't be imperfect I had to cook I had to balance the checkbook I had to get to school I had to get on a train and get my braces adjusted so I had to be hyper vigilant and rigid and one foot in front of the other and pull up your bootstraps. And my name was Doris when I was born. So it was like Doris Ann, you know, pull up your bootstraps and get on that train. And so I never thought as a young girl that these were not normal things for a young girl to be doing. I thought they were normal things to do. Okay, this is huge. So there's no way that Lakshmi could know this because uh, because of how we're recording these episodes. But Lakshmi, just earlier today, I recorded an episode that will have come out right before this one with Dr. Valerie Rain, where she's talking about the patriarchy stress disorder. And we're talking about how normalized it is for women and really anybody in our culture in the patriarchy, but specifically for women to feel like we have to be hypervigilant And we have to always be on. And we don't even realize that that's abnormal because it's the way we have always been. And your story is so unique to you. And also, I think there's parts of it that I'm really curious for our listeners listening in that can relate to this. You know, where have you had to be the leader and what what can be the shadow side of that, right? Like, how do, well, what do we want to keep an eye on so we don't go so headstrong into leadership that we accidentally isolate ourselves or we take on too much or in Lakshmi's experience, we exhaust ourselves. What do you know now that, you know, if you could have gone back to, you know, 82 or 85 or 1990 when things are really picking up for your business, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? What have you learned along the way that would have been really helpful to know 30 years ago or more? I'm fiercely independent. Mm -hmm. I like being that way. And I've learned to soften my edges. (sighs) 
And I've especially learned how to take care and rest through your Reclaiming Time studio and working with the other 10, 11 women that were all learning to rest. So here I am in my seventh decade and I used to always rest, but I never was comfortable resting. Oh, so there it is. Like even when you did get a moment to rest, oh. you're, you couldn't enjoy it, which, which is so relatable. Right? right. Like even if there you finally did get the rare moment to rest or you carve out the time, oh. you're, you're sitting on the sofa and you're, you no, can't do it. No sitting on sofas for me. Right. No. Right. I loved what you said. I learned to soften my edges. Something about yes. that. It feels like dry toast dipped in warm broth. It just feels mm. like something expansive. Mm. What's an example of an edge that you, you have softened or you're in the process of softening? Like what, what does that look like? One of the edges that I've softened is that I'm kinder to others and myself, but important to that is that I'm kinder to my husband. Mm. And that feels so good to me. And it certainly feels good to him. Not that I wasn't unkind, but there was times when I was short and expecting perfection. Right. And I've learned over the years, especially over the last months, to just soften the edges and think before you open your mouth. So look at this, as you're softening your edges and you're no longer expecting the, the perfection that you have expected of yourself for all these years, mm -hmm. that you're then able to extend that to somebody else again, right? So as you, you are giving yourself permission to not be perfect, you're realizing it's okay to give other people permission to not be perfect. So I'm noticing a theme here, Lakshmi. I'm noticing that <laughs> things originate within you and then again, they ripple out. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're coming through you and then you're, and then you're sharing them out in the world for anybody listening in, who's just in a place where you're just hatching a new idea. Maybe you're starting a new business or you're thinking about a new career or a significant change. We've got Lakshmi here who's reinventing in her seventies, right? She's opening up, you know, a mentoring practice in her seventies. And so I'm really curious for you, Lakshmi, because now we're at the beginning of something new again. What, would you love to see happen with your mentoring practice? How will you know that it's working? What would you love to see happen? Oh, just to be online with a woman and have her opposite me and maybe cry mm. or maybe say, oh my gosh, I never knew that about me or... I've learned through you, Lakshmi, to trust myself and to listen to my higher self, mm. not to listen to somebody else's higher self and try to make that mine, to listen right. to my own and to trust that. That's one of the many things I'd like to see. And so, you know, I, I asked this question and what a beautiful response. I mean, it gives me a warm pause, you know, to think about the people who will be on the other end of these conversations who, like you, are getting to hear their own voice, right? And I love asking this question because with the starting of something new, knowing our why is really important, right? Like, why are we doing this is really important for a few reasons. And one of them is because in starting something new, there's new challenges. <laughs> there's like new things we've got to figure out. It's always a learning curve when we're starting something new. And so... 
what feels like an area that you're still growing into with this practice as you're from a business point of view, you know, opening the doors, what's one, one thing that you're, you're just learning for the first time right now? Well, it sounds big or small. I'm learning how to do it. I'm again, learning to trust to just, and Karen, my therapist and Bruce just say to me, Lakshmi, just do it. You've got 50 some odd years experience. You mentor all your online students. You mentor all your live students. You've got 2000 people that you've mentored. And I'm like, really? You're <laughs> like it's news, right? Like it's news, like it's news to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You got to be kidding me. Me? Who me? You know, that's, <laughs> this is wild to me. I see, I saw, um, an interview or not an interview. There's a show. What was it called? I think it was called tea with the dames. Oh. I'll double check that and I'll put it in the show notes, but it was, you know, four British actresses, you know, who are like, you know, some of the pivotal actors of their, of their generation, our generation, many generations. And they did an, um, a documentary because they're friends and they get together. So Dame Judy Dench is one of them and three other <sighs> dames that we all know and love. And they all shared how there was one particular role that was the pinnacle role that everybody wanted. It was a Shakespearean role. And if you were able to perform that as an actor, that would mean you were really something. And they all shared how at different points in their career, they were offered the opportunity to do it. And only one of them said yes. The reason the other three didn't do it was because they thought, who am I to be doing that? I can't possibly be good enough. I could never pull it off. And the one that did it, she said she was plagued the entire time when she was doing this performance of, oh my gosh, who am I to be doing this? I'm such a fraud. They're all going to realize I shouldn't be here. Right. And so you are normalizing something that I think is so important that we all hear. We all hear the voice that says, well, I don't know what am I doing. Who am I to be doing this? Who do I think I am, right? And I love that around you are people who in those moments can say, excuse me, <laughs> here's who you are. <laughs> You're the woman who built this thing from the ground up, who's built something really spectacular. And yet hear those thoughts, like they're always there, right? Yes. So I'm curious in your experience of your wisdom and having so much time sitting with what's true for you, is there anything that you do that works in those moments when you're having the, who am I to be doing this? Or, oh gosh, I don't know how to do this part yet. Does that mean I shouldn't do it? What helps bring you back to a place where you feel like, okay, I'm going to keep taking steps forward. What helps you shift from fear to keep continuing onward? 20 minutes or more of meditation. Mm. When I get overloaded or overwhelmed, I go into the living room. I lay down because I had a total knee replacement. So I like to keep that leg elevated and I meditate. Mm. And when I'm done, I have clarity. So there it is. You found something yes. that, that lets you go be alone, right? And process in a way that works for you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's powerful, Lakshmi. I am so thankful that you've joined us here. And I'm going to make sure we put a link to Lakshmi's calling it magic wand mentoring because she is the fairy godmother that we all <laughs> wish we had. <laughs> like when I hear you talk about your greatest joy would be hearing other women say, oh my gosh, I can hear my own voice. Like sign me up for a session. So I'll make sure we put a link to how you can connect with Lakshmi. But if you're game Lakshmi, would you be willing to play our messy and 
magnificent two-way Q&A before we head out today? Sure. I I was raised to suit up and show up. So here we go again, gang. Check <laughs> I know. Here we out. go. We here get like we a, go. a New Yorker turned, <laughs> yo, turned yogi. Like what's oh a better boy. combination than that? She's got the chutzpah <laughs> and she's got the sense of, um, of clarity that we all need. So, so here we go. Here's my first question. What <laughs> is one thing that at the time felt like a mistake that you're really thankful for having happened now? Probably when Bruce, my husband, came up to me and said, we're going to take the chair yoga and put it online. Mm. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Because I do these five-day live certifications to 30, 40 people at a time. And he said, no, no, it's going to be one-on-one. They're going to be with you and you alone. And I said, I know you're brilliant with your computer business, but eh. And like (laughs) two weeks later, I was online with my first student. So that's, that's number one. (laughs) I love, I love, I love the realness of that story too. You're like, what? No, I can't be a thing. No Um, way. No way. (laughs) (laughs) We never would have guessed back in, you know, 1969, when you were starting yoga, that (laughs) would even be a thing, much less would be a way of doing yoga with somebody, you know, in Saudi Arabia, for example. <laughs> right. Um, that's right. pretty amazing. That's right. pretty amazing. Right. So what is one thing that you're good at that other people might not even know about? Oh, hmm. my crafting and my gardening and my cooking. My crafting and my gardening and my cooking. Yeah. I was going to point out that Lakshmi has found a way to run a business for the long term and have a life at the same time. Yeah. Like that's beautiful to hear that there are these things that have nothing to do with work that you get to do and are good at. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the two-way part. What is one question you would love to ask me? What could I tell you? What made you decide to coach? What Did you meet somebody or did it come from within or did somebody? That's a great question. I don't think anybody, anybody's ever asked me that before. Uh, it was not my plan to be a coach. I will tell you that. <laughs> that was like the farthest from my plan. So my plan was I, my undergraduate degree was in business management and pre-law. My plan was to become some type of nonprofit lawyer. That's what I saw myself doing. Um, and just a couple weeks, yeah, about a month before my graduation from college, I tore my ACL in a freak accident, which is a story for another time. And the surgery was botched and my legs stopped working and I had to learn how to walk again. So all my plans, talk about being somebody who can relate to your story of having to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And if I wanted something done, had to do it myself. And I had all this oomph. All my plans were rerouted because I couldn't walk. I couldn't take care of myself in the same way, much less, you know, keep a job. And so I had to do a lot of physical therapy and it totally rerouted my path. And I'll, I'll tell you this much, the short, the short version of the story was that in the rerouting of my path, doing so much physical therapy, being around other people that had a lot of injuries and illnesses, I realized how much of what we were treating medically was preventable. It's not all preventable. Things happen that are outside of our control, but there was so much that was preventable. Other people with issues related to their diet or related to repetitive stress or injuries that were coming, you know, from sitting at the same desk without moving their body, those kind of things. And I thought, I want to be on the other side of this. How can I be helping people before it gets too bad? 
Um, and so that's what, what led me, you know, one step after another into coaching. So I can, I can share, I don't have a cool cat story, but I can, (laughs) but you know what? My injury happened from a dog. Actually, it was a poodle that ran into my leg. So I've got a dog story. That's my freak story. Somebody else's poodle at the dog park broke my ACL and that's how I got here. So we do have a connection. (laughs) Yes, we do. And I was dense. I didn't see it. I fought it. You know, I wanted to still be a lawyer. I, that's all I wanted to do. And I am so thankful now that I was rerouted. I am rerouted. Um, okay, good. So I've got two more quick questions for you, Lakshmi. Okay. I'm curious, where do you go for a dose of inspiration or courage in the moments where you need it? What do you listen to or who are you around? That's a good place to go to refill your cup. I like to listen to, I can't think of what it's called, but it's on Pandora. I think it's something like new age music. Mm -hmm. And I just turn that on and I immediately gear down. I just immediately gear down. And at the same time, I'm gearing down and I'm usually cooking at the same time. So you're doing something with your body and your, your mind is hearing this music. Yes. Here's my last question. And I, I could not wait to ask you. I love always asking this question, but particularly you. So <laughs> even if others don't agree, Lakshmi, what is one thing that you know to be true? What bubbles up for me is that I'm a good person. Simple and yet profound. I'm a good person. I've done my work. I'm doing my conscious work and that I will never be done. We're never done. Just when you think you're done, you hurt your ACL or you cut a finger or you lose someone in your life and the beat goes on. We are never done. We're never done. I can't think of anybody else I'd like to not be done with, Lakshmi. (laughs) (laughs) If we're figuring it out together, it is a good thing. Thank you for being here. We'll put a link for how you can get in touch with Lakshmi and Magic Wand Mentoring and the notes to this this episode. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lakshmi. Thank you, Carly. You are my soulful daughter. Thank Mm -hmm. you. I'll take it. It's nice to be in your presence, lovey. Well, there you have it. A woman who dares to lead and be brave and vulnerable at the same time, who has figured out a way to honor the voice within herself and to protect that so that she could bring what felt like a good idea to the world. So here's what I want to know from you. What is one thing that you would love to bring to the world? Maybe it's in your career or maybe it's in your personal life. I want you to share that with me on social media. Tag me on Instagram or Facebook. Tell me what you took away from this episode and what you would love to bring to the world, whether you have already been doing that or maybe you are just beginning. Maybe you are like Lakshmi and you are in the process of reinvention. Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including yourself, and I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. 
I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.